Welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world to the power of positivity and making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. I am super excited that you are here and very delighted to introduce to you our next guest. Because when we are talking about being on this journey, there is no one better to guide us into the world that most of us don't want to go into, which is that inner world. It is not a safe place to be without a guide. So we're going to get some guidance in how to trust the sound of our own inner voice. So please help me welcome to the studio, Desiree. Woo! Turn on your camera, darling. There you go. Hi, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Oh, that's that's magical. <laughs> it's good to see you, Jackie. I bet you're, I bet you're a little bit tired after a couple of long days. You know, I get more energy from doing this show than I get from doing anything else. That's good. It, well, it's because it's full of amazing people like you. And suicide prevention brings you to life. You know, that's an interesting take on that. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it's a lively show. Um, I hope my lighting's okay. It's, you know, it's that time of day here where it's going to get dark behind me. And you know, mm -hmm. so I'll probably shift several times before we're done here. And if it was a sunny day, it's like Indiana Jones, you know, it would be coming right through here. And I, so there's no safe place. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very, very welcome. <laughs> you know, it's amazing the things we have to pay attention to. Yeah, we didn't used to have to because we were on our phones. And so lighting wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take everybody behind the scenes on some lighting stuff as, as well as on speaking stuff later on, because it's become such a necessary skill to be able to just manage how you're coming across. Yeah. So who knew we'd have to mind all of these things. And so your uh lighting is actually lovely. I've got a nice little ring light here and I actually have a better, bigger setup that, um, you know, I've gotten, when I first started doing videos, I, I would set it up every time and then I'd break it all down. And then I'd think, oh, I should just leave it up, but it was in the middle of my living room. <clears throat> and now with Zoom World, because of COVID, everyone's become a lot more casual. Um, and even the newscasters, it's funny to see, you know, <laughs> their basement or their or their bedroom corner or or whatever they're coming from and I think people are um it's it's a little bit of a um the hidden benefit of all of that I, I think uh there the world has become more intimate and um and easier Maybe a little more accepting yes a little more a little more accepting <laughs> unless we get into politics and that's a whole nother story but <laughs> uh, there's always room for improvement Yes, yes. Especially when it comes to acceptance. So I'm a firm believer in radical self-acceptance. And I got pushback on that name. Hmm. And it was like, oh, we don't want radical anything. Not even self-acceptance. Because the word radical now has a different connotation mm -hmm. among certain people. Because our language is very individual. You know, Isn't what it? things mean. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, so speaking of individual language, we're gonna um, take everyone on the journey into the individual language of their inner voice. And I love this conversation. I also want to give them some context. So Desiree, what was your journey to get in touch with your own inner voice so that you could hear it? 
Um, I think I, like many other people, thought I knew my inner voice <laughs> until it had to really speak up in my favor um, emotionally and, and personally. And All right. Well, you don't get away with the high level here. What uh, was the story? What was that day like when okay. you realized that you weren't as in touch as you thought? What had to happen? Um, to well, I'll tell you what. And since this show is, it, it wasn't one day. You know, it wasn't one day, but there um, in this particular show about talking about suicide, there was that one moment where I considered it for myself and I was, you know, had allowed myself, and this is where it talks about hear the, hear the sound of your inner voice. I had allowed myself to listen to everyone but me and the messages I was getting added up in my uh, you know, now I look back, it was my warped um, intake system, uh, uh, like I said, allowing outside voices to be more true than what was true, um, mm -hmm. and not trusting myself to, you know, know what I believe is right, and, and that I am okay, um, <clears throat> that let me get there. And, and I just gave all that personal power away. And so there was that moment. Um, and, and for, you know, uh, it's, I've talked about it on other shows and stuff. So it's not a, uh, it was, you know, part of going through um, divorce and it wasn't even the divorce part. It was the part leading up to the divorce, right? The part that made me want to get a divorce and um, you know, uh, so not to get into lots of details, but you know, a long marriage, three children and, um, and uh, you know, being um, like the, the, the switch was turned off as far as uh, being accepted, as mm -hmm. far as, you know, um, having um, uh, affection shown to me as, and I had, you know, obviously it'd been a long relationship, really uh, based, unfortunately, a lot of my self-value on what my husband thought. And because he was the most important person in my life as far as that, you know, and that slowly started to change. And then when I, you know, um, listening to other people that didn't understand my inner world telling me, Oh, it's okay. You know, and then not, not getting the outside support. I finally got to that. What do you call it? You know, the basement of, of emotion where I'm like, well, I guess I'm just worthless. And, you know, luckily I had children. And when we talk about what brings you back from the ledge, right? Mm -hmm. Because I thought, well, you know, if this is this all there is, and I'm like, well, I would not do that to my children. So, what happened from say, if that was a uh, you know particular point, what happened from there was a slow process of making that decision that I'm not going anywhere, and what am I going to do about it, right? So, if I'm not going anywhere, then I need to you know pick myself up, dust myself off, and learn to live and learn to like living and learn to like myself. And it, they say that from, you know, every, and I tell this to my clients now, you know, and I often share my personal story with them, uh, that I wouldn't be doing this at all. Uh, you know, my degree was in psychology and I had worked with, you know, groups early on, but then I stayed home and raised kids and, and pretty much dedicated my, my life was about my family and, and, um, the home and my ex and I worked part-time here and there um, as an artist in particular. And so 
somewhere in there, I, I found the opportunity as my kids were older to move back into the helping field. And it was, you know, kind of like just a mediocre desire. But once I got through and learned my way through, then I really it lit the fire under me to help other people, to shorten their suffering, to help them learn what I learned, which took me about five years to learn what I learned and really be there for them to never get where I got. So that's why I'm happy that you invited me on here because I'm generally, you know, hypnotherapist and life coach. I don't generally um, always deal with suicide, but certainly the people that come to me may have been in that position. And I see I'm turning dark because the sunset's going down behind me. Let me see if I can turn these. There, so, there's wow. the Indiana Jones moment. Hold on. There we go. While you take and take care of your lighting, because yeah. this is what it's like to host a live yeah. summit. You know, tech yeah, we're tied up here. lighting changes. I'm just going so. to shift. I'm going to shift this direction and just see if that helps. There we go. That's Without knocking it. anything down. Without knocking anything I'm, over. We like I, that. Without. I'm glad I said something about that in the first place because <laughs> otherwise, you know, as soon as I start talking, I'm like, oh, I'm just a um, backlit black shadow. There, now I'm cozy, I'm happy, and I'm readjusted. I'm, I'm a well-adjusted person now <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> and you know, the amazing thing is that from the perspective, perspective matters. So from your perspective, it got really dark. And from my perspective, it didn't. Oh, really? Camera, that's interesting. Well, that's a good point then. It's all that's, about that's perspective, which I also love to tell people. Yeah. Uh -huh. the, the perspective of the camera is really, yeah. really key. Well, you let me know if it gets a problem. Otherwise, I won't move again. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Cool. All right. And I love the fact that we named the elephant in the room, that there was some tech going on, you know, mm -hmm. some lighting and, and these things. Uh, and so it, it, helps, it helps to not have it be... Oh, I'm bothered, but I don't want to tell anybody. No, tell. tell if, if I got dark enough, then I could just be the mystery guest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're talking about the fact that you had to learn to live and learn to like living. Mm -hmm. And then you said one more thing, and I didn't get it written down fast enough. But do you remember when you were saying that just a minute ago? You had to learn to live. You had to learn to like living. And you said one more thing. And if you don't remember it, then that's okay. We'll get it off the tape and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I, I, you know, I just, uh, it, it comes out, it comes out one mouth and it goes out the ears too. Uh, it may come back to me by the end of the, <laughs> what did I say? It's okay. Uh, don't worry about it. It will, like I said, that's why we record everything. Mm -hmm. And so probably somebody will have picked up on it. And if they didn't, it doesn't matter. But it was interesting that I wanted to just pick it up because this concept of learning to like living, you know, learning to live. Who knew we would have to learn these two things? But it's absolutely critical, I think, for many people to come to the place where you have to learn how to live in a way that's different from the way you were living before the pandemic hit, for before that, yeah. we went everything on Zoom, you know, everything online. We have to learn some different skills and that's part of the journey that we're taking everyone on on the show. But that piece about learning to like living, mm -hmm. how many of us spend our time arguing with reality? <laughs> Especially the recent reality, except for, you know, uh, like you say, it's, um, 
it is perception. And I know that this past year in particular, you know, for everybody's been difficult. And it, you know, it really is um, what I've compared it to is going through the grieving process. Hmm. And that's going to continue for people. And the to recognize the stages of grief, and I don't know if any of your other, other guests have brought this up, probably, but to recognize when you're grieving, because you can be grieving, not just for losing someone, you can be grieving for things that you didn't even think were grievable. It could be grieving for a change. So what happened in the last year for everyone was this shift, this, it was almost like a death because it was quite sudden. Um, and the, the grieving over things they used to do or the grieving for the change in the normal lifestyle can have a, an emotional effect mm-hmm. that can just bring a person to a state of a really some, for as many people, as we've seen with the suicides, a, a state of hopelessness that there's no sense in, you know, in, in living or anything because this is, they get the they, they get the tunnel vision, this is never going to change, or this is horrible, and life is horrible, and, you know, I, I'm, they don't even, they need to zoom out, I like to say, and, and see the big picture. You talk about um, learning to live, also for a lot of people, we need to remember what it was like before remember that feeling because that feeling can come back no matter the outside circumstances. And I talk about that inner voice and that inner world is creating that shield that you can protect your inner world from the, you know, events and the disappointments and whatever's happening in the outer world, you can control your inner world. And that is learning to listen to your inner voice and just, finding the gratitude in every day. There's always something to be grateful for. So we're going to take them on a very linear step-by-step journey into what it's like to learning to trust your inner voice. Okay. So these, and, and one of the things that I love about doing this show is that we're not about intervention. This show is not designed to intervene for someone who is struggling with suicidal thoughts. This show is a pure prevention show. It is to help prevent people from ever getting near the ledge. Yeah. That's our job. And so one thing that when we talked and I realized, wait a minute, this is a pure prevention possibility that if I could learn to trust my inner voice, if I could learn to hear my inner voice a little more consistently, and then I could learn to trust it, then that's part of this journey that keeps me away from the edge. And that's the point. So for you, this journey to hear and then trust your inner voice went through the dark night of the soul, the decision that you are not going to go anywhere because of your children, which thank God for children. And yeah, I'm grateful that you're still here. Thank you. I think, I think my kids might be too, although sometimes they're like, Oh God, mom. (laughs) No, I think. How old are your kids? Oh gosh. Um, My oldest is 29 and my twins just turned 23. There we go. Yeah. You know, um, it's still at the eye rolling stage with parents. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, And yeah, I I remember those days well. Mm. So Desiree, you had to relearn how to live. You had to learn how to like living. 
when along this journey did your inner voice become part of the conversation? So here's my personal story about how that happened. And, and I didn't completely dislike living. I liked living, but I was allowing a small part of my life to be too big a part. And that's when I talk about the zoom out. I had given all this power over my self-esteem to one little piece. And so that was where my awareness had to really begin is like, I have there's this piece that's causing such trauma. And then there's the rest of the world. And, but there I was looking at that little grain of nastiness that was really, really disruptive to my emotional state. Instead of looking at the whole beach, you know, mm -hmm. there was this, oh, look at that ugly little grain of sand <laughs> instead of enjoying the ocean. So I had to uh, allow myself to zoom out. So what happened for me was, um, and this is kind of the process that I went through and, and what one of the things that I, I suggest to people just as an, to start hearing themselves that it worked amazingly for me is I was uh, stuck in not making, in not making a decision because I was listening to all the other opinions about what was best for me. Mm -hmm. And by not following my heart, I was not living really at my, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I was just, just being or doing. I was doing, not being. Is that what they say, right? I was doing, not being. And I wasn't being myself. I wasn't being happy. I wasn't, you know, being the person that I, I like. I was doing the things expected of me. Mm. And I was doing the things that other people you know, expected of me. And that would be society, my ex, my, some of my friends, you know, my parents, etc. So um, what happened was I came across a prompt on Facebook. And this is all, um, I think I put this in my book. Uh, and I talk about it often, I came across a prompt on Facebook about uh, doing 30 days of writing, and it was hashtag 30 days of writing and do 15 minutes of writing every day. And it was for people that do poetry, writing, whatever. They just wanted to encourage uh, writing. So I thought, oh, I like to write. I like writing, maybe I'll just do that. So 15 minutes every day with no agenda, no you know, mm -hmm. plan. I just would just start writing almost like an automatic writing and just let what came out come out. Um, and since then I have learned a lot more about how uh, writing or art kind of skips that conscious mind block mm -hmm. and, and it's a vehicle for self-discovery and and your subconscious so i started writing and at the end of 30 days of writing i had had my aha moment and answered all of you know uh the arguments about why was i still continuing to follow the same path down the road that was unhappiness and find the you know courage to make the change to make the break, to say, I'm not doing this anymore. Of course, it took a few, probably about two more years to, to get, you know, with all the- We're gonna say to implement yeah, all of your- To implement the change. But that changed everything inside of me. I was no longer afraid. That was a big thing, getting rid of the fear. I was no longer afraid. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, <laughs> you know, I started to see the other side. So that's what I did. It's, um, was through writing and 
and through journaling and just allowing those answers to come through. Uh, and so as a process, you know, as a uh, you know, life coach, hypnotherapist, I, I've created more of a, a program. And I think we, you know, we both work with iAwesome and on there is it's some guided meditation to help. And it's not around the writing. That one's coming up later. I haven't loaded that one yet, but there's one on there about with guided meditation about what's your internal feeling and what does that feeling mean to really actually for people to get in touch with the, themselves. What's your body and your, and your inner self telling you that we, we ignore, you know? So that's, that was my journey um, of how I began to hear my inner voice. And then of course, after that, it's, it's just become more of a second nature and you do have to exercise it because we get carried away with what other people are telling us, even, yeah. even when we know, <laughs> yeah. even, even when you know, know. Yeah. how many people haven't said, well, I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it anyway. Or I knew it, I knew I shouldn't have gone, but I did it anyway. Or I, I people that say, I knew I shouldn't have gotten married, but I did it anyway. You know, because there's the wedding and everyone's expecting you to go through with it. And, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. Well, yeah, even when they thought it wasn't a bad idea, they did it because of expectations of other people. Yes. Yeah. So we things like that. A lot of work around other people's judgments, opinions, and expectations. Yeah. Because it is such a big conversation that we are. On the one hand, it's good to be outwardly focused when you're talking about helping other people. On the other hand, when you're talking about managing your own life, taking direction from outside of yourself can be problematic mm -hmm. for anyone. Yeah. For anyone. So I know that you have created this whole universe, the wellness universe. Tell me a little bit about that. What is the wellness yeah. universe? Well, I didn't create it. Actually, it's just a group I belong to that was created by two lovely ladies. Um, and right now it's, it's run by Anna Pereira, who um, heads it up. And they, I joined with them in like 2017. And I've been a member for quite a while. And they are a group of um, like wellness practitioners of all sorts. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful organization if anyone wants to go visit it. Um, so um, my gift I'm providing was uh, a, an ebook that was put together, uh, I think it was maybe last summer, last fall by the Wellness Universe with uh, a day of wellness. And it was, it's all sorts of articles, ideas, um, mine's in there. I think mine might be the last entry in there um, on energy, on personal energy and being an energetic being. And um and that whole thing about being part of, you know, the bigger picture and that you're not, you're not just this. So that's, that was my gift from them. So it's one of the groups I belong to and I'm very proud of. And so we put together that ebook. And so I've provided that as a gift here because I think it was a really valuable resource for finding ways to take care of yourself, to, to treat yourself right, to look inside yourself. Um, and as you know, I'm uh, also a member of um, iAwesome with you, International Academy of Universal Self Mastery. I think I finally have it right. And that's on that platform. I offer um, a couple of classes and we'll be adding more. And um, i trying to think if there's any other really great groups. See the light changing, but you tell me if it's not okay. The, the light's changing and you're fine. You know? Okay, good, good. <laughs> and yeah, so there you go, perfect. Right there is perfect. Well, if I come a little closer. Yeah, that's closer. it. That was what that yeah. changed everything. Okay, that helps. So, um, 
yeah, so that's where the gift is from and a delightful little ebook that uh, I think people will enjoy. So cool. So the idea of a day of self-care is a great idea. And part of self-care is actually getting in touch with the inner voice, learning how to tell what's your inner voice from what's the um, external expectations, as we were just talking about. What are some tips that people can have that will help them tell when they're writing, if they're using the writing method, is this my inner voice or is this still the exterior world? Well, this is where I, um, I get into the teaching, uh, get, recognizing your body, uh, that energy, that sense. So, um, so again, refer like to the- is there. What, does, what's, what would somebody notice in their body that well, would tell them yes, what exactly. So for example, um, have you ever walked into a room and just kind of felt actually a little queasy, right? Okay. A little queasy. And so, you know, what does that mean to you? Which is what my course on iAwesome teaches right now, the, uh, the, which is by the name of what we're talking about. What does that mean to you? And so some people don't know what it means. They, they're not in touch with the messages their body is sending. But if you know if you've tied that to an emotion or an experience in the past, then you're, you've got your shortcut, your shorthand of, oh, this is the same feeling I got when such and such happened or when I met this other person that like was very like a bad, you know, energy around me. Um, same thing, uh, say if you kind of feel an expansion in your chest, right? We, for many of us, we have similar feelings that are maybe fairly universal, but the, you know, most people still have an individual go-to about something feels good or something feels bad. And what is that? We usually don't know what it is. Some, you know, you get that hair standing up on the back of your neck, right? And yeah. when you know someone's behind you and you're just a little bit like, you know, walking down the sidewalk alone, I, and I've had that experience, for example, where um, I've been walking down a sidewalk or standing on a sidewalk alone because my car broke down. I'm near a boarded up building in a really bad part of town and waiting for my dad, when I was young, waiting for my dad to come get me. And coming down the street comes a tall guy drinking um, out of a, a bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he comes, it's just the two of us in this at like midnight. And I did not feel any fear whatsoever, not a bit. I didn't, I didn't get any warning sort of weird body feeling. I felt no fear whatsoever. He walks by, he says, how you doing? I'm like, good, thanks, right? Um, <laughs> then he turned back around. I gotta tell you this story because it's great. It's also like my like angel in disguise story. He turns, I see him, I, then a car goes by with a bunch of guys like, and this is Southern California, low rider, you know, and they're, uh, and they slow down and they look at me like a car, like five guys in the car. And then they get, they slowly get down to the end of the road, pass him. He turns around, he starts walking back toward me. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he says, Hey, I thought I should hang with you because I heard those guys say something about going back for you. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Thanks. Right. And like, this is just one guy, but this car full of guys does turn back around. They come back, they see this guy standing there with me and he just looks at them and they slow down and they keep going. Mm-hmm. And that guy stayed with me until my dad came. And um, so, you know, the, the fact that 
normally you would think here I am alone on the street and this big guy drinking booze out of a bag <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad news but I didn't feel that and I was right he was good news um, so that's just an example uh, of you know people should pay attention to these and like what feeling do you get and so that to me that's what it is there's a physical kind of energetic feeling that you you get and the more you recognize what that is and what it means the, the more you can take steps to trust your gut you know so, if something doesn't feel right or something does feel right what are some activities or um what are the opportunities that people can take advantage of to start to notice um what what you're describing sounds like an internal emotional guidance system mm -hmm. yes um, well, one of the activities that I suggest is just laying down and remembering um, a certain event, like a time that you were angry, for example, and remembering it and bringing back that emotion. Of course, you always want to clear it afterwards. So again, in the course, I do that. I, I do that. Um, and, and find it, you know, scan your body and, and find that feeling in your body of where does where's anger feel like in your body where is it and what's it feel like and then actually kind of journal make a note of it and um then you know do the same thing with joy and think of uh you know well, i don't know hugging your children or kissing your cat or being at the beach or whatever it is that brings you that happy feeling right oh my and, goodness i almost started to sneeze i'm allergic <laughs> to cats and you said okay. kissing your cat and i'm like no <laughs> you, you see and there's i bet you got an internal feeling there you go you probably you like you probably got like a sense of a tightness like oh, a, and a physical I, pullback right i noticed started absolutely yeah. itching it was power a suggestion actually just imagine hugging your child hugging your child uh, fresh air at the beach hugging your child there you go all cleared up <laughs> so that's an important piece that i just want to highlight for people when you're learning about your internal guidance system and it's an uncomfortable icky tummy feeling after you've experienced that and you feel like you you know, you've got it make sure you do something that is the opposite and clear yeah clear yourself Clear yeah. yourself, bring in a nice, beautiful, happy feeling and clear it out. Um, yeah, give yeah, so if you practice this, you, then you, you, you go through the, the clearing so that you leave yourself at least in a neutral state of, you know, everything is copacetic and fine. And, and just start paying attention to your body. We all know, for me, you know, like stress goes right in here. And then I get this not down the middle of my back right mm -hmm. and then it starts to hurt across here if it's really a stressful situation or day and so i know what's going on so you've right? got a road map for stress yeah. so. But, and so i recognize and then sometimes i start to get that and i don't know what was stressful see that's and then i have to sit with myself and say okay what's going on what just happened what happened earlier today you know what and then I can then I can say, oh, this this situation or this person or this interaction that I had not paid attention to mm -hmm. was actually bothering me more than I'm letting on. So in the subconscious mind, it, it triggered something and was um, more of a, a issue than I was willing to consciously look at. 
So it, it's a way to listen to your inner voice. Why am I feeling this physical stuff? Why am I not feeling good about this? And sit with it, write about it and find out, am I following my heart? Am I trusting myself? Am I, you know, is this a good deal to be making with somebody? Should I be here? Should I get up and leave? I have a friend um, who tells a story about, you know, just knowing that this guy was not a good guy. And, um, you know, I won't go into too much detail, but she, he, he took advantage of her. And she says, I knew when I went over there that I shouldn't. And I don't know why I did, <laughs> you know? So when you even get this feeling, don't doubt yourself. It's okay. It's okay to look stupid or feel silly. Don't doubt yourself or find ways that you can make yourself safe in a situation that you aren't comfortable with. If you have to go take a friend, I don't know, you know, but stop doubting yourself is what I would say to people. So shifting out of the doubt and into the trust, even if what you're, what you need to do to trust yourself, the action you need to take is not a socially acceptable action, like leaving in the middle of a meal. Yeah. Getting up and leaving. Yeah. Yeah. This is an important life skill to trust yourself enough to take the actions on your own behalf. Right. And and, yeah. And and just because it seems awkward or uncomfortable um, to just like find, you know, the more you're in touch with your feelings, the more just the happier life you're going to live. And then bringing it back to, uh, you know, suicide prevention. If you're trusting everybody else and not trusting yourself, then you're not living in your happiest level. You're, when you give away your power to let other people tell you what's okay and what's not okay, it, it leaves, um, it, it draw. it's almost like um, vampirism energy. You know, it leaves you drained of your essence and you're, you're letting yourself wither. You're letting yourself wither. And the more um, you trust yourself, the more your own personal energy builds up and the more alive you are and the happier you are. And the further away from any thought uh, of thinking that leaving is a good idea. I, I wanna add something else um, that I use uh, when talking to anybody who, who is, you know, has talked about considering that, that someone else told me, um, not for myself, but as in a, a workshop. And I thought that's a really good one. And maybe it's not that new, probably came from somebody else who came from somebody else. But um, <laughs> well, they say that there's yeah. not a new idea under yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, this is my original problem. idea that I got from someone else. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, that it, you know, for anyone who would even be considering, um, you know, leaving this, uh, this space, their, their, their life is imagine you have a bookshelf full of books, all wonderful books, all great stories. And these books represent different adventures in your life, different people you haven't met yet, different stories you haven't lived yet, different places you haven't been yet, different foods you haven't tasted yet. Uh, all those, all these positive things. And imagine that you, you know, if you decide that you're going to just pick one book and that's the last book you're ever going to read, but all these other books are up there. So why just, you know, choose only one? Leave yourself time to explore those other books. It's like choosing 
only one book out of a beautiful list of books that you have so much opportunity to enjoy and you're just not knowing it yet because you haven't picked up all of those books yet. So it's, you know, I like that metaphor. There's so many books to read, so many adventures to have. You just don't know it yet. I love that. A book, a book, and I wrote it down as bookshelves full of stories you haven't lived yet. Yeah. yeah. And, and great stories with happy endings. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Where, great yeah. stories with happy endings. I like that. Yeah. You know, adventures and dramas and comedies and you know, full yeah. of great stories that you haven't lived yet. What a great analogy. Mm-hmm. It so, is. Kudos to whoever came up with that one. We like it a lot. And thank you very much for sharing it with us. The power of being able to listen to the internal guidance system. And, you know, it's a fast decision maker. It does not leave a lot of room for um, second guessing. If you practice trusting it. Is sort of the sense that I'm getting from you. I mean, we met one time and I said, hey, do you want to come on the summit? And you were like, yes. I'm like, cool. It was was just that simple. And what if life could be that simple? I think that maybe that's the benefit of listening to your inner voice is that life becomes a lot simpler. It does, you know, and the, the, the big, big thing out of listening to your intuition, especially for me, but I think it's true for everyone, if you just decide, I'm just going to trust my intuition, then it eliminates the fear of, oh, did I do the right thing? If you just stop second guessing and you say, I'm going to trust myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know, people, um, do you know that feeling when, you ha- when you've been making up your mind, oh, should I move? Shouldn't I move? Should I take this job? Should I you know, do whatever? And people get stuck, like I was talking about myself, stuck stuck, stuck, afraid of making a choice. Mm -hmm. But once you've made the choice, even if that choice is a scary one, because you don't know what the outcome is going to be, making the choice is an amazing sense of freedom all of a sudden. You're just like, oh, well, that's fine, because I've made a choice, and that's the direction I'm going. And now I don't have to worry about making the decision. (laughs) And so it sounds crazy, but try it, people. Just try it. If you're if you're confused about making a choice about which direction to go, just make the choice, just make the choice. And you'll the choice you make. Here's another example. The reason that you know, you're making the right choice is because if you're not making the right choice, then you'll decide to make the other choice. <laughs> you'll, you'll say, for example, anybody here like do like pull cards, like tarot cards or something like that. I, I, I pretty much trust the tarot cards, but I see them as a vehicle for, you know, using my own intuition. So sometimes I'll, I'll pull something looking for, uh, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Um, and then it, it pulls up one and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> And so I, I usually, you know, pull the, wait until I find the one I go, yeah, that's the right card. It, it can answer you that way. It, it might even be the vehicle that helps you say, you already knew your answer. You already knew your answer. You know, if you ask friends for advice and then you don't listen to any of them. Yeah. You weren't looking one. for advice. You were looking for confirmation or contrast. I right. think that we need, the brain needs contrast to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And we right. have. And, and we need limited options because if we have unlimited options, yeah. how do you decide? Yeah, I close my finger and I go down the list on the menu or something, but, <laughs> and then if I don't like where my finger is, then I actually read it. 
<laughs> but really, if, if you get the contrast, then you know that's not what that's what you don't want. And I love Abraham Hicks, you know, Esther Hicks, if you ever listen to her, um, she talks about the more you get what you don't want, the more you know what you do want. Mm -hmm. So even getting what you don't want is a benefit because then you've learned something from it. So people that say, oh, it's terrible. This happened and that happened and I didn't like it and my life sucks. You went, guess what? You know more about yourself and what you really want than before those bad things happened. Those things yeah. that you labeled as bad because everything is simply a learning experience if you you know, put it that way. You learned what you really want. What's really cool here is that if anyone finds themselves complaining, <laughs> they can take the complaint as an opportunity for contrast. If this isn't what I don't want, what do I want? Yeah. And trusting themselves to be able to ask that question, because it's a question I didn't know to ask myself for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. yeah. If I don't <laughs> like this, what do I want? Right. And people just keep doing the I don't like part mm -hmm. for years and years and go on with the I don't like this. I don't like this. And then uh, sounds and, like personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> and they get stuck in the complaining stage and the, the complaining stage doesn't change anything. So you, there, there needs to be the steps that people need to recognize what stage are you at? Are you at the I'm not happy stage, but I'm going to give it some time? Are you at the I've given it some time and I know I don't like this? Um, have you, but I'm just going to put up with it. Have you gotten to the complaining stage where you're still doing it and you're complaining about it constantly? Or are you going to move on to, okay, I've been doing this so long. It hasn't gotten better. I still don't like it. And now my, I'm just like stirring and stirring and going around on the, on the, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. <clears throat> you know, guess what? You can get off the, I don't like this wheel. Ah, take take the personal power and change what you're doing. Change it. And don't be afraid to change it because otherwise, what are your choices? Live with, I don't like this for the rest of your life or make the positive change. And, and again, getting back to suicide prevention, people forget that they have choices and options. As scary as those might be, nothing is, you know, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, you could die. Well, if you stay there, that, that might be an option you choose. But if you take off one of those adventure books and go, where am I going? What am I going to do? Because this is all going to work out if I just follow my heart. It's a great analogy of the bookcase and the idea of following your heart. And we know that pure prevention before someone's in trouble, these are the ideal uses of all of this information. Self-care is a great way to keep you from getting near the edge. And if someone is on the edge, understanding these strategies about the bookcase full of books you haven't lived yet, the stories, the happy stories that you haven't lived yet, haven't experienced yet, can help give a little bit of a buffer, a bit of a pause button. Yeah. Um, the journey is absolutely riveting when we allow ourselves to have that pause button and to say, I could make this choice or I could make this choice. And remembering that we have choices that's really the key factor. So building more of that is so amazing. So I'm so glad you brought that up. One of the things that um, I th also think is important for people to know is 
um, sometimes people just like will allow, allow themselves to feel useless, to feel hopeless, like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. And they just really um, have no idea uh, how much their life matters to other people. They, they let, let themselves get into um, really, I, you know, not to be cruel here, but sort of a selfish state of my life doesn't matter to anyone. And everybody's lives matter to somebody. And you know, you I'm going to pause the button here. Yeah. Because we're talking about the depressed brain. Yeah, it doesn't think. And so it's not selfish at that point because the logic kicks in, which is really screwy. And the logic, because we hear these stories, the logic kicks in and the logic is they would be better off without me. From their perspective, it's not selfish. It's actually yeah. sacrifice. It's self-sacrifice yeah. because that's where the brain has gone and gotten yeah. stuck in the negative yeah. echo chamber. And when yeah, this is the land of absolute acute intervention. And yeah. so our conversation is not about when you're thinking of taking your own life. It's about what can you do so that you never have to be afraid yeah. that you're ever going to get there. And the power of this conversation is that the worst emotion that we've been able to discover based on all of our conversations and all of our research in the suicide and the teen suicide prevention society is that shame mm. is the most devastating place to be. And so any conversation that we can pull people away from judging and labeling is going to be a better conversation for them. And so this power of trusting their inner voice is so important, Desiree, that I am just incredibly grateful that you made the time to come on the show and to share this journey with us. Yeah. I love the writing exercise. And so the writing exercise, as you described it, and I'm, I don't know if it's in the book that is everybody's gift, but do you have like two or three writing prompts that people could use when they start to write? Um, I do. Um, and I will, uh, what, what's the right word when you have, I do have my book right here. As a matter of fact, this is not the gift. This is you know, a book I wrote. And, okay. Journey to Joy. Got it. And uh, The Written Path. And so what I did in here was I gave writing prompts. And cool. so I, I put it into chapters as a journey, um, mm -hmm. starting off sticking to the path, don't turn back, et cetera, so forth. So at the end of every chapter, for example, um, about how to get started, uh, I, one of the questions, the first question is, when you've yearned to change, but not carried it through, uh, write on that. When you wanted to change something, but not carried it through. So looking about, into my life and finding those moments when mm -hmm. I wanted to change, but haven't yet changed. Right. And then I follow that with, when do you feel without control? And when do you feel most in control? Got it. So, uh, so for those example, kinds yeah. of prompts of getting the brain to engage with yeah. when do I feel out of control is a great way to get in touch with the internal guidance system. I love that. And when do I feel in control? And so thank you, because that's yeah. exactly what I wanted. I wanted some three simple prompts that people could use as they start this journey to trust their inner voice. And let me share this one that I really like. Um, this is in that like getting started is imagine your ideal life, describe it, 
Be as specific as possible, including every sense, sight, sounds, smells, temperature, people, daily life, and describe how you feel. And then what is the first step that you can take toward that ideal life? Cool. You know, to um, recognize that, that you, you know, it's not, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but you, everybody like this day of self-care, right? Even just doing one thing, mm-hmm. one thing every, however often toward the ideal life to move you into that place of just living happy, just being, you know, satisfied and happy with your life and yourself. Yeah. There we go. The inner voice path to living happy, where you're satisfied with your life and yourself. That's a great line, Desiree. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with us and to share all of this with everyone. I so appreciate that. Well, thank you for inviting me. And um, I, I hope that people um, get a lot from all of your guests and find it useful. So thanks for inviting me. You're very, very welcome.